Welcome to Practical Awakening. In this podcast, I share conscious conversations with incredible women about human design, spirituality, and the practical application of them in your life and in your relationships. I'm your host, Rachel Amy, human design expert, life coach, and yoga teacher from the UK. I believe that we're all spiritual beings, uniquely designed and perfectly placed with such an important purpose. So if you're ready to explore human design, practice deep self-acceptance, and put your spirituality to work, let's get started. Welcome back to Practical Awakening. This week's guest is our first male guest. It is Ryan Spence. He's a 2-4 Splenic Manifester. And we have really beautiful conversations about spiritual awakenings, about the growth and empowerment that you can really experience when you allow yourself to take more control of your life and live a more spiritually curious experience of what it means to be human. We talk a lot about the polarity of living a human life. We talk about our experience with Abraham Hicks, the law of attraction, manifestation, the myths around the law of attraction and what taking aligned action really, really means. We have some beautiful, vulnerable conversations about gratitude and about accepting, but also wanting more. And we share our experiences on releasing the outcome, which I know is a difficult concept for everybody in the law of attraction world. This was such a beautiful conversation. I love it when two manifestors come together. Ryan was so open about sharing his experience into spirituality and into human design. And I know this episode is going to make a really great impact. So let's dive in. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, I can't wait to jump into talking about all things, you know, manifestors, spiritual awakenings, being a kind of a male in this realm as well. I'm really excited for your view and perspective on that. But I always like to start with the same question. So when was the first time that you found human design and what were like your first kind of thoughts? I found human design about a year and a half ago when I first saw it. I didn't really think much of it because I just saw a bunch of shapes and I'm like, okay, I need more information. Okay. Give that to me. And then I think I looked at some of the videos that were offered at Jovian Archive and I thought, oh, well, there's, these are kind of pricey. I don't know if those really fell aligned. So I just kind of set down human design. Um, and then I met, maybe it was like a month or two later, I met with my uh, a, a Reiki friend and she got a business reading from somebody and she was kind of telling me a little bit what a manifestor is and it just sounded really awesome and aligned. So she's like, yeah, you totally should get a reading from this person. And so I did. And then, then it was like, I was kind of going down the rabbit hole right before that. But then after doing that hour plus session with that person, I fell in love with it and especially fell in love with the role as the manifestor. Yeah. I love that. So you were pretty new when you had your first kind of actual reading into the system. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think it was a couple months into it, but I, I went down the rabbit hole pretty good. So even getting to the session, I mean, I didn't know this, the specifics and the details of like what the centers really meant and the lines and such, but I, I had the, the high level basics of what a manifestor is. And then she, I mean, she answered a lot of basic questions for me. So to that point, I was new, but um, I don't know. I also felt like I kind of knew a decent amount compared to most people. Like when I do readings, I know a lot more than other people did. But I mean, it just goes to show you how uh, how in depth or how much depth there is in the system that there's always something you can learn from it. 
Yeah, it is so in depth. And that's one of the things I really love about human design is that the like learning is never ending. You know, I'm like five plus years into my experiment and there's still so much that I either don't know at all or I don't know well enough to kind of like teach and share. And some things I just like keep keep to myself. And I don't think there is an end point with human design. Yeah, I know that's kind of that's kind of fun and also kind of intimidating, I'm sure, for for other people. I uh I'm finally to the point where I feel really happy with everything I know about it. Um, you know, as, as you know, we we connected this last year and got really, really deep into being able to teach it and, and coach around it. So I, I've been feeling pretty good about it. I think to that point, I, I kind of would love to have more time to learn more, but I think maybe that creative urge is already mostly passed. Also, I'm like, okay, I've spent about a year and a half really digging in the rabbit hole. I love it. I love what the system does for me. It's time for me to teach others about it and help, help use that for them to be empowered. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to just notice as well, that you don't have to go really far, you know? And I think I find a lot of people get very intimidated with human design because, you know, you pull up the chart, there's the shapes and the lines and the numbers, and then the lines with the numbers and the planets and all of this stuff. And then you throw in the arrows and the variables and the base and the color, and it gets just like completely out of hand with all this information. So I feel like I spend a lot of time in readings, but also just in sharing human design, like kind of inviting people back, like inviting them back to their strategy and authority, inviting them back to their defined and undefined centers. Because if that's as far as you ever get in human design, like your type, your strategy, your authority and your centers, that will change your life right there. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even to that point when I was giving readings, I was given so much information, you know, especially to people that haven't started looking learning about it. They're like, this is really good. I think there's so much information. It's like drinking out of a fire hose of just awesome information. And so to that point, I even created like a checklist for people that, you know, do go through like one, some of my readings and, and that exact same thing is like, just focus on this thing first, focus on your type, then focus on your, you know, your strategy, then focus on your authority, et cetera, or whatever order that is. And like you said, just that alone is, huge, even outside of the channels and such. Yeah. And I think even you don't even have to be really deep into it, you know, like just knowing the basics of each center and the way they show up can be really, really impactful. And I know from my experience and from clients and readings that I've done, there always seems to be like one particular like open or undefined center that requires a lot of kind of like love and nourishment and work and acceptance. And I know for me, that was the G center. Like it's been a long journey for me to love my undefined G. Is the, Has that been experience for you? Has there been a certain center that like really stood out kind of in your deconditioning journey? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think the big one, of course, for manifestors, and I think especially for me is the sacral center mm-hmm. of just feeling like, oh, I need to be productive. I need to do do something every day, you know, feeling that worth. I need to complete all these courses and stuff that I created. So that's probably the biggest one. I also have an open uh, G center as well. I haven't, you know, honestly, there's probably is some element of that, that there's probably more deconditioning I could do, but I haven't really explored it. I'm also an open emotional and head center. So I've had a decent balance with those as well. Um, But I think especially the head center of just thinking that, Hey, maybe my ideas aren't good enough or I need to go to somebody else for inspiration. Yeah, definitely. I think, especially with the head center, there's such a potential kind of overwhelm as well. 
like with taking in all that energy and all that inspiration and all those ideas all of the time Mm -hmm. and really being able to decipher like what if this is mine what if this have I picked up and then especially with like an open um, sacral too like having the tendency to just pick one of those and run with it without having the energy too and the possibility of that actually could be very damaging you know to yourself but also to your physical body yeah for sure I think uh, especially going into business um, the sacral and the head center I mean I I only have four centers open you know which is probably a little less than average but uh, the head center and the sacral center definitely come up the most with having a coaching business um, I feel like I'm pretty good in my day-to-day life but yeah, I just started creating my coaching business about two years ago. So there's all sorts of new uh, deconditioning with those centers as it relates to that interaction with business. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a part of the journey of deconditioning too. Like, again, it doesn't end, you know, like every barrier you kind of move through or every wound you begin to heal, like you just experience something different, you know? And I kind of feel like maybe the deconditioning gets less painful Or maybe it just the pain kind of like transmutes to a different way, you know, but you're always deconditioning. And I think especially with the manifestors, when people talk about like anger and the not self. And I think I talked about this with Holly on a previous podcast. I can't see a life where I'm never angry, you know, like that's part of who I am and my experience. So and just being human, we're never going to be fully in alignment because then I don't think we'd be human anymore. Right. I, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, was questioning at myself because I've had some anger with some certain parts of my life. And I, I, you, I think the old me would have been like, okay, well, you shouldn't be angry. But really, it, in human design teaches us this. And I've learned this from other, you know, with my coaching training and other situations, like our emotions are just feedback. So anger, anger is an example of, okay, something doesn't feel aligned because you're, ang- you're angry, especially as a manifester you might be a little bit more susceptible to be angry when people are telling you what to do or you're not living to your purpose and such. So I've, uh, I've learned to not uh, try to dismiss the emotion or try to hurry up and heal it, but try to see what, what lesson it brings. Thanks to human design that, that helped me see that in that different, different light. Yeah. I think it really helps to make anger empowering for manifestors rather than going, you know, I shouldn't be angry. And what I really hate when people are like, oh, but you have such a great life. You should be grateful. And I'm like, I'm very grateful. Like I have most of my needs met. I have people that love me, but I'm still allowed to be really pissed off about things that happen in my life because it's just a signpost that there is something else either I can do or that I need to do. Or even sometimes for me, me with a lot of collective circuitry, like it's just pointing out that there are things that are wrong in the world that need to be fixed. And just being like, oh, but I'm so grateful, isn't addressing that need or moving us in any way towards changing it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, life would life would be a lot more boring. I mean, we, we think to ourselves, we don't want to be angry. We want to be happy 100% of the time. We want to be grateful 100% of the time. But that would probably take a lot of the fun out of life. We wouldn't have as many challenges and uh, to go through, which is even though they feel painful, usually in the moment, they provide us so much knowledge and wisdom and something to shoot for. Yeah. And I think there's also the potential to be, you know, grateful and angry, you know, like one doesn't detract from the other. And I think we really need to start 
like cultivating the space where you can be both, you know, like you can be pissed off and very grateful, you know, you can feel very loved, but also feel disconnected. Like there is space for both of these things at the same time. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We don't have to go too far down this path, but I thought it just, the universe popped this in my head. I mean, that's what I'm experiencing with my day job. Like we were kind of talking right before this. I'm very grateful that the opportunity gives me and a lot of things with the job, uh, which is why I've kind of stayed with it longer than what I probably would have normally. But I also feel it, it's it's an, even above anger. It's been more of this like, I don't know if complacent's the right word, but just like, you know, kind of that man level. I'm like, okay, it's mm. a job. It, it does this, you know, kind of justifying it. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. So kind of the justification realm, but then if something like, you know, goes the way I don't want it to go, then I dip down to anger while I can still be grateful for all the other things that it, that it provides for me. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a skill I think everybody needs to develop, but I do think it's something that you do start to kind of like accept and live in more like once you've kind of gone through a spiritual awakening you know because I think it does really expand this capacity for you to hold both as truth you know that we're all part of one energetic being but we also get to be very individualized human beings you know and it's I think everything about the universe and just spirit in general is about this polarity within one which I could talk about forever but my question for was going to be what has your experience been kind of with your spiritual awakening and you know just really opening up to the more spiritual kind of less logical side of life yeah um well without getting into the nitty-gritty too long of a story no, i mean it... nitty-gritty yes ryan do it okay all right all right share the vulnerability so here for for everybody which i'm happy to do um so basically it was midnight 2019 there was a woman that I thought I was in love with, but uh, really it was kind of the same pattern of being really attracted to her and, you know, a codependent type of scenario. Long story short, she, you know, did not treat me the way I wanted to be treated. Um, and I've, for, I've forgiven that, you know, I know I, I take a lot of responsibility in that, that relationship as well, but that was so painful that I actually had my only ever panic attack later on that week just with all the emotions I went through. So I always marked that as kind of my dark night of the soul, which I didn't, I wasn't into spirituality until really the end of 2020, early 2020, but that was kind of the trigger to get me there. So I had this really painful time. I, I realized, okay, I need to change how I've been interacting with women romantically for, you know, cause it's really been that way for mo pretty much 30 years of my life. So the bulk of my life and then, you know, so I pursued some warning on YouTube, found, found this concept of law of attraction, didn't know what it was, but a lot of these really awesome YouTubers that I could feel very aligned to that were helping me through this tough time. And even some coaches I worked with, um, were kind of talking about this law of attraction. So this kind of kept popping in my head. So I finally bought the audible book, the law of attraction around early 2020, right before the pandemic was really hitting in March, 2020. So I started listening to that book. And for anybody that hasn't uh, read the book or listened to it, it's, it's channeling. So it's a, it's a, a lady channeling, you know, the universe or channeling, you know, something, someone they call Abraham through her, which I'd never heard of before, but for whatever reason I was, I was open to it, even though everything in life would tell me this is, you know, weird voodoo stuff. This is like, okay, that's, this is kind of weird. And even the audible book is really old. So it talks about like 
like an old like 80s infomercial or old early 90s infomercial where it's like you can order the cassette you know and it has these little mini commercials so there's so much in it <laughs> that makes it so that it's like yeah this is this is weird this is out there this is cult stuff whatever but for whatever reason i just wanted to listen to it and buy into it and so that that was really when i started believing that there is you know the universe out there as opposed to you know the you know kind of being semi-christian believed really believing that maybe there's this universe as a source energy that uh that we can get what we want and manifest so it was around march 2020 listening to that book and then finding a group of or they're finding a coach and she's she created a spirituality group which i joined and then i made so many friends like-minded friends that had just had their spiritual awakening and were going through similar things so around that march 2020 that was really where I would consider myself being spiritual or my spiritual awakening uh, time. And, and ever since then, it's just been so much empowering, so many empowering systems, healing modalities, all those esoteric things, you know, astrology, human design. Uh, I got Reiki certified. I got a life coaching cer certification, which has a spirituality aspect to it. So many things like that, um, that have just been so enriched and empowered in my life that I'm like, okay, even if some of this is woo woo, you know, I, it still empowers me and I still feel like I have a foot in reality. And so trying to balance that reality and logical with, oh, could this, you know, this placebo effect of the system or this healing really provide the healing, even if it's not fully proven by science yet. Yeah. I love just everything you shared there for sure. And especially I know my like first like toe in the water in spirituality was Abraham Hicks too. And I um, kind of ordered a couple of books. This is probably early like 2010s, so maybe 2010, 2011. And like my mom and I actually were like reading them together and like putting it into practice. And I'm one of those people that's like really, I'm like restless. So I want to get into the story. So I never read like the preface of anything. So I didn't read the preface of like the book. And then probably like six months into like learning the law of attraction and using it and like things working out, I went back and read like the preface where Esther shares the story of connecting with, you know, the beings that she calls Abraham and how she channels through it. And like, I remember reading it and being like, that's kind of fucked, isn't it? Like, but it works. So like, what the heck? And then I just like never really thought about it ever again. But it's funny, I think, when you fall into spirituality, which I do feel like we all kind of fall, you know, like you dip a toe and then you tumble in and that's it. That's who you are now. I think it just like it uh, invites you to really question your connection to what logic and reality is, you know? Yeah, absolutely agree. I love the way you said that. I think I never thought of it that way, but. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and suddenly you had the same experience with the law of attraction. It's like, wow, this is really out there, but I'm going to listen anyways, because it, why not? And then I think maybe to that point, it triggers that like, okay, I can be more open to other, you know, mod healing modalities, other perspectives and stuff. And I'm not going to like get hurt or I'm not going to join a cult or I'm not going to die or I'm not going to like, you know, do something crazy. So I think maybe to that point, when you hear those things and you're open to it, and you realize, oh, you realize that, oh, okay, I'm okay. I'm still still a normal human being. Then you find, kind of find out it's okay to have that as part of your identity. Yeah, I love that. And I think 
one of my favorite things about a lot of kind of like the spiritual practices and the spiritual things that I kind of do and believe in is it's actually backed up by a lot of like science by quote unquote like real scientists you know placebos work because your body is reacting to thoughts rather than the environment you know so if you can bring different thoughts into your mind your body is going to react differently and that's like science science not just you know like spirituality science yeah and i think when people want to listen which god bless my boyfriend i tell him all the time like what science backs up the things that i do but there's like real white coat science in there too and i think that's always Mm -hmm. fascinating yeah, absolutely. And actually, another thing that I think of is once I went into my spiritual awakening, I felt so empowered and so like, you know, enjoyed it that I, I did go down maybe the rabbit hole, maybe even too far in a way where I, I lost my grip on reality. And, you know, some of the teachers I would talk about would talk about the conspiracies and, and I'm still kind of open to those, but I know I, I didn't think for myself, I blindly believe some of those things. So you know, part of 2020 was like, okay, stepping out and like, well, what do I believe? And mm. based off of my experience. And so to, and to that point with the science, I've been just really enjoying like the, the, the channel Gaia, which they, I mean, they have some science back things on there around spirituality. I've, so I've been eating up anything that like Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, some other, uh, really good authorities on there that have some proven experiences that they've you know, use thought to heal themselves or, um, you know, some challenges, some of the longstanding things that, you know, old, you know, older science has maybe proven, maybe it's proven some things, but has it just because it hasn't proven this on the spirituality side yet, if it hasn't, doesn't mean it's not true. I think people get really like skeptical of, you know, spiritual teachers and spiritual world and all of those things. But I think what's really important, like you said, was, when you step into this world or like when you become spiritually aware or experience a spiritual awakening, it's a really powerful and empowering experience. So it really allows you to take what you thought was you living in a world and saying like, this is my world and it gets to reflect how I feel and what I want in my desires. So any good like spiritual teacher or any good like spiritual community is only ever going to invite you back into what feels good, you know? So it doesn't have the capacity to turn into like a cult or anything like when it's done from like a good places of people's hearts, which the majority is because all it does is ask you like, is this for you? Does this feel good? Is this what you want? There is no like, you must do this and you must do that. It's just an invitation back home. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I think that's, uh, that permission slip right there is beautiful for anybody that hasn't gotten into spirituality, but th- that's where, like, I know that's where it's kind of felt really empowering and aligned is like, okay, well, you're still checking in with your body. It's not like, okay, buy this, buy this product and this product is going to make you spiritual or make you aligned. You know, it's, I mean, sure there's crystals and stuff like that here and there that people might sell, but I mean, it's, it comes from a place of service, not of a place of, scheming and and scamming and stuff like that and i mean we can all pretty well uh you know the more in touch we are with our bodies and our in our thoughts we can usually suss that out pretty well when things aren't very aligned yeah and i think what's so great about the spiritual world for me is like 
just the base notion that life gets to be good and you get to feel good in your life. You know, when you really take hold of that as like a value and a belief that's yours, I feel like you become a lot more confident in the things that you're doing, you know, and you get to say, like, I actually get to decide what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And I get to make changes based on things that don't feel good rather than, you know, adding up all the tiny pieces of logic to come to the right choice. Like, I just like just giving yourself permission to feel good in life is so, so powerful. Yeah, I totally agree. It's been, I mean, even despite the worldwide challenges or whatever the last two years, I mean, it's been the best two years of my life since I had this spiritual awakening and, and having this awareness for myself, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's the thing when you go through experiences like that, like dark night of the soul, it's always like, I don't want to redo it. Like it wasn't fun, but I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't had that experience. Yeah, totally agree. I'm grateful for that really painful experience almost three years ago, actually, but it was so painful for a good year. But now I'm really grateful for that dark night of the soul for sure. Yeah. So like, I'm not sure if you shared this whole story on this podcast yet before, but like my spiritual awakening, like I remember the exact moment that like the universe first screamed at me and I listened. Um, so I was like 26. My mom was ill with terminal cancer and I was having some emotional breakdown, you know, 36, 35 over here about something. And I remember the universe screaming at me because, you know, the universe, my higher power, my authority, whatever it is, likes to scream because I'm very stubborn and I tend not to listen. But they said, you can't keep blaming other people for your other people for your problems, Rachel. And I was, that was the first time that hit me like a ton, ton of bricks. And I was like, well, shit, you're right. Like I actually have the power here to change the way I think and feel and the way I approach different situations. This was probably a year before my mom died. So it kind of gave me the time to really experiment with like what that meant and how that played out in the world, you know, before losing my mom and obviously my whole life falling apart. But I had a tiny little grasp on those skills that I needed to really rebuild my life. And looking back at that situation, obviously I would do anything to have my mom back, but I know I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not gone through that grief and everything that goes with it. And it's this, it's a really hard kind of thing to hold. Like, obviously it was horrendous and I'd I'd have her back in an instant. But then I question who would I be if that hadn't happened to me? And like, would I be this version of me? And I spend a lot of time thinking about that. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think from experiencing something like that like really deep grief of like losing a parent you're really close to it made me question everything about life you know and I think part of becoming more spiritual is you begin to question everything you don't just accept things the way they are anymore you know you start playing with the law of attraction and you're like well if I can just think things into existence no one ever told me this what else exists that I don't know about or what else do I think I know about that like doesn't actually exist did you go through that period of questioning everything? Yeah, I mean, I think I still go through that uh, to some extent, especially with you know seeing some of the shows on Gaia and some of their you know their theories and stuff like that too. So that, that helps me with challenging it, things. But 
I mean, you kind of brought in the inkling of manifestation. And so right around that time, I joined that spirituality group around March, April, 2020. You know, that's when the pandemic was going on and I kind of wanted a Nintendo switch, but you know, I, I didn't really do a formal process for manifesting it, but switches were really rare because of the pandemic. And so I think some of the, everyone was locked in the houses and they wanted to do something. (laughs) Yeah, that too. You know, they're all, they're all purchased up for boredom, but then also, you know, they couldn't really make any more. So they were being sold like double the price on eBay. And so I remember I'm like, well, I kind of want to get one of these switches so that I can connect with well, because I just moved to a new city. I just moved to Minneapolis. Also, also that like, same exact time in March 2020, as I had the spiritual awakening and then the pandemic's going on. So a lot of change going on that in that month, um, which is also my birth month, too, uh, by the way. So my birthday's on March 8th. And um, so anyhow, um, that's I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get a switch. I kept looking at like Best Buy and Target and all that. There's. There's none of those. And I was just learning about manifestation. I'm like, okay, well, this sounds pretty cool. And that's what law of attraction also teaches you to how to attract what you want in your life. And so I'd kind of done that for a switch, but not really feeling like a formal process. And then I, I remember getting a text one morning from my aunt who lives in Omaha. She's like, hey, I just found this Nintendo Switch at, I don't know, it was like a Sam's Club or something like that. Uh, do, you, do you want me to buy it? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, and like... What was weird is I don't think she even knew that I wanted a Switch. Like, I don't know that I put it like out in the open that I want a Nintendo Switch. I think it just seems like the universe had to conspire to put that thought in her head that hey, maybe Ryan wants to switch. And just the fact that it appeared because she even said that the the person that was at uh, whatever it was, Sam's Club or wherever it was, that person was shocked that they actually had one in stock. So just to think about Sure, you can call it a coincidence, but that's a pretty damn ridiculous coincidence that that would happen. So then I'm like, okay, I sent her some money. She sent me the switch and then I I got that. So that was like, kind of like, okay, now I'm going to kind of question, maybe this manifestation thing's real. And then I actually manifested my dream condo, which I'm sitting in right now. I, I manifested that at the beginning of, in January, 2021, very much to the T, which was really cool. And it's almost... Yeah. So it's just been like, wow, this stuff is really amazing. And it makes me want to learn more, but then also having still being in the 3D world sometimes also like drains my energy and I get too focused on that where, you know, it'd be great to be able to like start actively attracting more of those things in my life, which I have been doing uh, kind of subconsciously, but my, uh, my masculine energy, which is probably overworking things too. I've always been a very proactive person. So there's almost a sense of like, oh, I wish I had more time to myself just to like manifest this, manifest this, manifest this. But uh, maybe maybe that wouldn't work out because I'd probably be trying to use too much uh, masculine energy. But I also think that's kind of the thing with manifestation. Like you don't really have to do anything. You know, and I know like some of the my favorite like manifestation stories, like I haven't been doing anything for it. And it's always that time. And I think this is the, you know, the difficulty with, and when we say manifesting, we mean attracting things into your life. Like you're always manifesting everything, you know, but this is kind of like focused manifestation. Just really simple things like, I was driving a car and I was just thinking to myself and I talk to myself a lot out loud. So I think that really helps with my like, you know, motorized throat as a manifester. And I was like, I'd really like a nicer car. 
And then I didn't think about it ever again, you know. And so my dad sells like cars and stuff. So I always get my cars kind of through him. And he called me like three days later, like, hey, I'm going to ship your car to Cyprus. I've got you another one. And it was much nicer, much more luxurious, you know, heated seats, leather, all this stuff. And I was like, I literally just said that out loud and thought nothing of it. And just boom, in comes this car, you know, whereas when I sit and think, oh, my God, I really want a nice car. And this is what I want. And this is how much it's going to cost. And then my conscious brain goes, you don't have that money, stupid, you know, and like dealing with all those, you know, money stories that I have. I make it really difficult for myself, you know, and I think that's everyone's experience. Like, how do we want and desire something without attaching so deeply to it that we literally stop it from just swooping on in? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you shared that example. I mean, that's exactly what the the switch was like. And I think to an extent with the condo as well, but then I know other areas where, you know, I've tried manifesting and I've been too tight to that outcome. And it still hasn't come to fruition. So I appreciate that reminder. And that is a good point of just uh, surrendering and and allowing things just to to happen. Yeah. And I think even with this house that I'm living in now, like looking back on it, I had a really tight budget. I just moved back to the UK. I was by myself. I didn't have any fixed income at the time. So I was like on this really tight budget and I was struggling to find some place. And then whenever I found somewhere I liked, like somebody else would get there first and all this stuff. And I was like an emotional wreck. Again, it was the recurring theme of my life here. But I think sometimes manifestation just comes down to like your boundaries and your standards for yourself. You know, so I was struggling through this process for like weeks and weeks. And it got to the point where I was like, I would rather spend you know, an extra 100 or 200 pound a month and have a home that I really like. And I will figure out a way to find the money, you know? And as soon as I made that like declaration to the universe, this house came up, I was the first one to see it. All the paperwork went through. I've been living here two and a half years, you know? So it was like, it's that change in belief and thought that can trigger the manifestation into your life. It's never about the thing really, is it? It's about what beliefs do you have standing between you and the thing that you want and with the house it was oh my god how am I going to afford to pay the rent but once I was like I deserve to have a nice place to live I will figure it out the universe is like boom I've got you you know because those other places weren't for me because I didn't like them that wasn't for my highest good and it's really about figuring out that frequency which obviously there is no right answer and it's like this fun game that you get to play with the universe that is hilariously horrendous sometimes to try and allow these things into your life. Yeah, I love that. I actually had to write a little note and a reminder to that, uh, meditate on some of those areas where I've been too tight with my, uh, on the outcome and, and reshaping those beliefs. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. So I want to throw it back to my, um, like tiny little law of attraction, Rachel, like right at the beginning, you know, the whole like basis, it's like ask, believe, receive, right? So that was when I first learned about manifestation and the law of attraction. And I would like do that, like, okay, cool. I've asked for it. And like, yeah, I should have this stuff. And I used to think that like things were just going to fall into my lap, you know, like now it sounds ridiculous, but I was like, you know, I want a new house. And then it's like, someone's just going to like knock on my door and give me the keys to my, my dream house. You know, like I really took that action step out of it. And I think that's so important, you know, when you look at manifestation as everything you do and everything you have has been manifested, 
it's really on what you do and what you believe you're worthy of rather than, you know, the universe just kind of bringing it to you. Did you ever fall into that really ridiculous trap or was that just me? Uh, no, I mean, I think that that articulates it very well. I think when I, as I'm really just thinking about it right now with the switch and the condo, I mean, I think I, well, was the switch. I didn't take that much action. I think with the condo, I kind of did when it was closer to my grasp, but it was an action actions of aligned with belief. So like, for example, um, I even offered like $20,000 less on this condo. I'm like, I really love this condo, but I said to myself, I wanted it to be under this amount. So I, I still, you know, asked for it, you know, the price to go down, but then I did all the other aligned things. Like I told my realtor about this whole law of attraction thing and how I'm going to manifest this. And, um, I, I was asking her for like the, um, the floor plan. It's just so that I'm like, okay, so when I, when I get this floor plan, this is where I'm gonna put my couch. This is where I'm gonna put my TV, but it wasn't in this way of like constricted of, um, like, oh, well, I really hope I get it. I just, I just knew I continued. I did actions that followed up with the belief. So I love the way you said that is like, you know, ask, believe, and then really the action doesn't, isn't probably like an action of unknown. It's more of an action of supporting that belief. Cause like, I really like the way you said that. It's like knowing what you're worthy of is so true. Like I knew I was worthy of having a really nice condo and having a switch. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, it'll come my way. And I think even before spirituality, I've always done really well with career and having a good job and doing well in my job and having always being really good with money because I've had that underlying belief that, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm confident I'm good with money. I'm great with money. You know, the money always comes to me easily and I'm very responsible about money. Even with having scarcity with money at times, I, I just felt worthy and believing in the money. So I love the way you said that. Yeah, I do think that comes down to kind of like the differences in kind of like the masculine feminine, the way we experience the world as well. I feel like that's much more natural for males to like hold and have and really be modeled into having those expectations, you know, and worth around money. And I know for me and for lots of women that I've connected with, it's a lot harder for us to hold those beliefs because most of us have been raised in situations where either money wasn't safe or money wasn't accessible or money was something that men did, you know? So I really hope like as we move forward, we can definitely change, you know, that narrative around money. And even for me, like my money story has drastically changed depending on like what I've been through in life, you know, like there's been parts of my life where I've always had more than enough money. And then there has been some periods where I haven't and it's been a struggle. And really coming to terms with how can my experience be so different, even though I'm the same, you know, like what in life has pinpointed those changes that has changed my experience of money and its availability in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I've never, I haven't heard that perspective from women, but that would make a lot of sense. So certainly women have been, you know, discriminated against with, with money and in the workplace and such. So interesting that. That's something I need to remember too for my female clients also, the that perspective. So thank you. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of swing back to something you said about, or just we were talking about the law of attraction in general and like the idea of action. That sometimes, and I think this is really important to note, that the action doesn't seem to have any particular connection to the outcome. 
And I want to share like my example of that. So I got divorced in 2018 and I was living in Florida. And then I decided after a while, like it was during that period, I think that I really stepped into like one, knowing myself, but also following the things that I knew felt right. So everybody wants to meet the love of their life, right? That's just kind of what we do. Like we're here, we're in connection, whatever. And obviously that was something that was on my mind after, you know, my broken marriage and everything that went down in that, what we were lovingly call shit show. So I went on this long kind of journey of just following, you know, like my intuitive and my emotional authority and making decisions. So in this whole period, I obviously quit my job. I got, I sold my house. I moved back to England. I ended up sleeping on like different people's sofas and different people's spare rooms and all this like chaos. I rented my house. I got a job in a pub. And that's where I met my current boyfriend who is like my best friend and we're going to be together forever. I have declared it and he is a grief. Um, but I didn't take any of those steps thinking I'm going to meet the love of my life. Like I'm going to meet the love of my life in my hometown. I'm going to meet the love of my life, you know, in this pub. Like none of those things seemed to have direct connection to the outcome, but I just trusted that they were the right thing. And then the outcome came. Does that make sense? Have you had any experiences of that kind of like broader disconnected action when it comes to manifestation? Yes. I'm so glad you're asking me that because I wanted to tell you one. So, I mean, one of my biggest wounds throughout life has been with women. Um, you know, I think especially at a young age, so just, you know, I had a challenging relationship with my mom. Um, I've forgiven anything with that and she was a great mom as well. So just, but it was a challenging head buddying a lot. Uh, you know, I was definitely the, uh, stereotypical, like whiny, whiny boy with the mom, the single mom type of situation. But, um, so anyways, having a challenge, having those challenges with women pretty much since the age of like six. And so I, like from the age of six to 36, honestly, has been very much like, I've always been preoccupied about women. Like, Oh, how can I attract this woman? You know, is she like me? What do I need to do to impress her? What do I need to do? Should I ask her out constant that preoccupation? in my head for really 30 plus years has been a huge wound for me to heal that I finally feel like I've healed just especially in this last year. And so to that point, I always felt like, you know, that was one of the main drivers for why I became so much into self-improvement because I'm like, Oh, well, there's something wrong with me, whether that's the physical side. Like I didn't, you know, especially I was overweight for most of my life too. So I thought, well, I need to lose weight, you know, to be attractive. So I, I did that and that was a good fuel to get me healthier and I stayed healthy. You know, I lost 130 pounds 13 years ago and kept it off. And so that was kind of a good driver for that, but I was still on the female side on the, uh, you know, dating side. It was still very much like I'm taking this action so that I can meet somebody taking this mm-hmm. action. So somebody will like me taking this action for this outcome of receiving love from somebody else. And so up until really even last, I think it was October, I started, or even before that, I started meeting with a relationship coach. And one of the, one of the, something we've been doing for the last couple of months is like, I said, all right, I recommend you take a one year break from dating, which I've taken breaks from dating for like a, a month or two, but I've always been so like, oh, well, if I take a break, I'll get really old and you know, nobody will, I'll be alone and all this stuff, you know, the similar to most of the worries any single person has and such. Um, so I started that break and then like, I'm like a month and a half, two months into it, 
somebody just came into my life that at least at the time I thought was like, you know, my perfect person, things didn't end up working out. We weren't necessarily as much as a match as, you know, I'd originally thought, but, uh, it still was like this really beautiful validation that like, Hey, Ryan, you finally let go for the first time in like your whole life with women, you weren't taking this constant action. You weren't like grasping at this, like, Oh, you got to do that. You got to go to this party. So maybe you'll meet somebody, all this type of stuff. You just let go. And then somebody came into your life. And so to that point, I'm going to like continue my break probably until the, the end of this year. But honestly, to that point, I'm like, I don't know that I'll ever get back on a, like a dating app or a website. And that's been the main source of my dating over the last, geez, like 12 years has been like websites. Cause I've, I've never, I've always been more introverted more shy of asking women out in person. But to that point, I'm like, I finally have this validation that I don't need to work to attract somebody. I just, you know, the only work I do is just for, for myself, you know, making sure I'm happy, I'm aligned, I'm vibing high because that's going to attract people. Just like anytime you see somebody that's vibing high, you're like, oh, I want to be in their energy. Like just doing my own thing for me is where it's at. So that's like probably the best experience of, uh, you know, masculine energy gone wrong for like 30 plus years of my life. Yeah, but I think we're really conditioned and this comes down again, I think, to the conditioning. Like men are taught to, when it comes to, you know, heterosexual relationships, men are taught to go out there and find the woman and women are taught to like, you know, just wait to be found, you know. So there's so much conditioning in that as well. And I think it's really beautiful that, you know, you shared that story with yourself. Like the work is internally, you know, when I speak to people, they're like, I want to find someone who loves me. It's like, you have to love yourself. And I know it's cliche and awful. And like, it's never what you want to hear when you're in that situation. But you have to get to a point. And this goes for everything, you know, whether it's business or where you live or a relationship or family, you have to get to a point that you say, I am perfectly fine where I am and anything else is going to be an addition. You know, when you're in your business and you love doing it and you accept like this is enough for me, obviously I would accept willingly accept a lot more, but I love being in this space and it's good enough for me, you know. And the same with me by myself. I love being me and I'm good enough by myself. That's the only time that you can then attract those things into you because it's like as you're reaching out you're almost kind of like creating a barrier around you with how much you're grasping for rather than just staying still and allowing things to come like get closer to you yeah i love that yeah and to that point too us being manifestors also it's it's gonna be even more powerful so i mean seeing that i was a manifester and feeling the energy just have like like I know people can feel my energy of like, you know, things needing to be a certain way or, um, you know, being really tied to an outcome. Like I, I don't even need to say it. And I think people can feel that energy from me. So they feel pressure, which I, of course I don't want, but yeah, it, I've definitely seen that so much with dating where, you know, the energy I can, I can read their energy and I can tell their energies read my energy and they're not really vibing. But then again, being so tied to the outcome, it's like, you know, thinking that that's just the way you do dating, you know, it just was so dysfunctional. But again, you know, it's very painful, so many painful moments. But when I was at that men's retreat a few weeks ago, I really had like this 
this beautiful cry of gratitude. Like I, I, I just, you know, just cried and purged out. It was just, I don't know if I've really had that many cries of gratitude before, but it was just so beautiful of like seeing how far I've come, like seeing all the painfulness, all the loneliness, all the, you know, feeling of unlovability and such like that, that I've gone through. But because I've taken this journey, like you said, working on my inner self, I'm so proud of where I'm at today and, you know, everything I've endured, you know, to just keep going and, and incrementally build upon myself for my own self growth is such a, it's a, it's a tough journey for sure. And it probably, you know, you don't really see the benefit, see the benefits until you like look back and you're like, holy cow, wow. I am so glad I went on this journey, um, which I know makes it kind of hard to like go and pursue it if you don't know what the benefits are. But I mean, I hope that your listeners listen to us and just, if they're thinking about investing in themselves or investing in healing, investing in coaching, investing in a class, investing in their business, investing in something that feels aligned to them. They might not see the benefits right away, but when they look back on the lessons and what they, what they learned and how they have applied that their life, they're going to be so, so glad that they did. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you for being so vulnerable and just sharing that as well, Ryan, because I think it's really important to create more space for vulnerability. And like you say, investing in yourself. And even if like, I think we make a lot about the inner work and investing to be about money, you know, and we all get the realities of living life. We don't all have copious amounts of extra income all the time, but you can just take and dedicate and invest some time in yourself. You know, if all you can find is 20 minutes for you to sit by yourself and journal or read your favorite book or drink a coffee or just sit in the bath with yourself, and just creating that sacred time to just be you and get comfortable being just you, you can have as much, like that can make as much impact as investing in a mastermind, you know, as long as you're creating the space in whatever container is available to you to be yourself and to learn to love being that version of you, that's all you need to do. Yeah. And I mean, just to add to that, I mean, before I started investing in more coaching, there's YouTube. I mean, there's, I mean, that's what really got me down the path of into spirituality was, you know, tons of, you know, free YouTube videos. And so if you find, I mean, there's obviously everything's on there. So any topic you're specifically looking at, you look at that uh, YouTube topic. And then like, I would, you know, take some time for myself. I would just watch, I would, you know, like 30 minutes after work, I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch a new YouTube video, not because I had to, but I was actually excited to, because I knew it was helping me, moving me along and helping me heal from that relationship uh, that hurt so much. And, and I was seeing the benefits of that. So yeah, I agree. There's so many free, easy ways to do it. And I love that. Like you said, of taking the time for yourself is just a huge form of self-love and gives you the space, um, you know, to, to pursue that. Yeah. And I think something that human design has definitely taught me is just treat life like an experiment. You know, like there is no guidebook for how to be a human and how to grow and how to love and how to be the best version of yourself. You get to experiment in all things. So when it comes to the inner work and spirituality, like just experiment with it, you know, see what feels good and see what doesn't. And I love that you brought up like looking back and reflecting because especially at the beginning, things might not feel like they're moving very quickly. But when you look back, you've made such huge like leaps 
away from who you were into a more aligned version of you. And even doing this like weekly, you know, what have I learned this week? Like, how have I better embodied who I am this week? And soon you'll be at a point where like the previous version of you is unrecognizable, but it happens in such tiny steps that if you don't look back, you might not even notice them. Yeah, I would agree. And and something you said too made me want to write a book called How to Be a Human. I don't know if there's a guide on that, but my define Ajna loves systems, loves spreadsheets, uh, loves little guides. So maybe I have to see if there's a book on that, but thanks for that idea. So we might have to co-write How to Be a Human. All right, I'm book. in. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I think humanity definitely needs a guidebook, you know, obviously that take, take it or leave it as feels good to you. So as we kind of wrap up here, Ryan, what advice would you give to somebody who maybe feels like they're beginning their spiritual awakening or beginning to kind of open their minds or even just curious in what spirituality and the more spiritual experience of life would be? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I mean, I think we touched on a lot of those, the benefits of the spirituality is it's really empowering and it's, I mean, you can, you can dip your toes as much as you want. It could be like watching a YouTube video once a month on some spiritual topic. It could be reading an article. I mean, like we were saying is we didn't just become spiritual and all of a sudden we're in a cult or all of a sudden we're doing crazy things. We're just like, you know, it's really just challenging. Hey, is this, is this for me? Uh, and does this feel aligned? Because I mean, it's really it's pretty safe practice, honestly, to become you know more spiritual and believing in this source energy of the universe or whatever that source energy is for you. But I think as one advice point is typically what happens is what I've noticed anyways, is just people do feel a little bit lonely because when you're trying to go down the spiritual path, you know, a lot of your typical friends you've had forever, you aren't really as open to that. Uh, they may even be judgmental of that, which, you know, is unfortunate, but um, it's really important to find your kind of your crowd. So, you know, I encourage you to check out like meetup.com or find Facebook groups on spirituality topics that feel aligned to you because that's been really, I've still made tons of connections across the world like you uh, on these uh, spirituality topics. So somebody to talk to, somebody to share experiences with, have that um, connection that personal connection with is really valuable because I know a lot of people feel very alone when they start believing in spirituality things and the esoteric stuff. And then every, like your family is like, no, that's weird. I don't buy that. Don't, don't bring that spiritual shit to me, that type of stuff. Um, yeah. Find, find those, those aligned friends. Yeah. Finding your people is so important. And I'm always so grateful that we have the internet and we have WhatsApp and we have like cross world communication because I know, especially being like spiritual and being an entrepreneur, like I would be so incredibly lonely if I didn't have that, you know, wider access to people, you know, some that I've never met in real life, but are some of my closest like supporters and closest connections, thanks to this wonder that we call the internet. Yeah, I totally agree. I, and as I was thinking, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably crawl back into the 3D hole or the unspiritual hole if I didn't have you know, other friends that share their experiences. So it's also kind of a constant reminder, like, oh yeah, this practice really worked for me or, you know, changing my thought belief here was really helpful because again, in our day-to-day -day life, we're still pounded in with the old saying of, oh, this happens to you, you have to do this or scarcity and all that. But when you have those friends and those connections that keep reminding you, they keep inspiring you to stay empowered and keep learning and, and keep challenging your status quo in life. 
Yeah, and those people to cheer you on too. Like having some cheerleaders in your corner is so important. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here with me, Ryan. That was such a just incredible conversation. And I'm sure it's people are going to take a lot from listening to us and our experiences. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I had a, I had a blast. Thank you for listening to Practical Awakening. I know there are thousands of podcasts out there and I'm so grateful to have shared this episode with you. Check out the show notes for all links from today's episode. If you loved what you heard, screenshot and share this episode on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can repost.